Let's ride. Welcome back to uh, episode eight of Pathways with the New England Projects here. Uh, uh, lucky to have Ben Hearing and Paul Gallant, uh, the two men uh, and the co-founders behind Revolution Rugby. Uh, today we're going to be exploring their journeys, uh, their thoughts as to player and coach development, sort of the new era player and coach development, if you will, and um, the course that they're implementing, the certification course for our coaches in New England. So Ben and uh, Paul, thank you very much for jumping on and, and joining me here today. It'll be good fun and be able to discuss a little bit of that uh, with you. Thanks, TK. Pleasure to be here. Good yeah, stuff. Thanks, TK. Yep, no worries. So the first thing we're going to do is a little quick fire uh, section. It's Labor Day here, so I've had a couple of champagnes and we've been discussing with the family here a couple of words that might trigger some uh, some good chat to get us going. But the first we're going to ha- we're going to have four or five words. We'll go Paul then Ben. The first word that comes to your mind when I say the word, uh, the trigger word here. Got it? Yeah. Sweet. All right. First one we've got quiche. Oh, fancy. Benny? Oh, um, just a scramble. 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 Yes. There That's we go. Key. Good stuff. It's coming back in, coming back in, uh, in the trend there, apparently. So they made me throw out that one. Happiness for the next one. Feel, feels. 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 <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, I'm thinking blue sky, TK. That's Luke. happiness. Yeah. Good man. Put a Wanaka there. Uh, <laughs> what was that one, TK? Sorry? Coaching. Ooh. Guiding? Guiding. Yeah, I'm thinking probably like parenting there, TK. Yeah, coaching, parenting, parenting's coaching. And beer. Tasty. Tasty. Yeah. Social. Social. Cool. And the last one, revolution. Exciting. Yeah, change. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks for bearing with me there, uh, gentlemen. Good way to kick to get going. Um, so instead of me butchering the introductions, I'm going to let you guys take it away with a little bit about yourselves. Obviously, Ben, mate, you had a, a brilliant rugby career in New Zealand. You started your journey with the Highlanders in Southland went up to Wellington and the Canes up there and then um, impressed and that led to your journey over to, to Leicester where your rugby career started. You've sort of gone round circle, come all the way back to New Zealand and sort of about to go go out on your second circle, if you will, mate. If you wanted to sort of tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself, mate. Yeah, sure, TK. Um, I've, I've, when I look back at my rugby uh, career, it's actually been, I really smile at it actually, mate. We, um, I'm not a, a, a big guy, just worked hard. I was always like 90 kilos dripping wet. So um, to think I had a 10-year playing career, I, I sometimes just go, that's pretty damn awesome. <laughs> I um, never made first 15 or anything at school, so I just enjoyed rugby, kept playing and got a few breaks along the way and and managed to stuff the body pretty well by the end of it. So um, by the time I finished up in England playing professionally, um, I've got half a knee and you know knocked out several times. But uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. It, uh, I look back and, and really smile at the fact that uh, I didn't um, 
die wondering around if I could have or not. So that, I really loved uh, my journey and lucky enough to play for some pretty cool teams, some super teams in, in Leicester in England. And then, to be honest, I never thought about coaching at all until I got knocked out and then retired. And the coach asked me to stay on as a assistant coach. And then as soon as I got that, um, that little start to coaching, I just went through there. So I coached at Leicester for a couple of years, then went to Japan for a couple, then Canada for a couple, back to New Zealand, and then back and forth to Japan a few times. So really, really for the last 12 years, I've been coaching professionally and, and doing it on lots of different continents. All my children are born at different continents. And it's been an epic journey, really, and I've learned and grown heaps. And man, I just, uh, I just feel pretty privileged to have been 20 years in professional rugby now. So it's a, it's a, it's a great lifestyle and it's a great learning experience. So I'm, I've loved uh, every bit of it. Yeah, mate, awesome. Did the kids have different passports being born in different countries or no? No, well, we, we passed up a couple of opportunities. And in England, our oldest was born in England and we had the opportunity, if we said another six months, we could have got her uh, English passport. But we chose instead to go to Japan and just start that journey. Yeah. And it was a great journey. So we, we missed that one. Again, we had to stay in Japan for a certain amount of time to get my son's passport, which we then decided to go to Canada instead. So we just kept missing the cutoff periods for passports. Yeah. But um, no, it's great. The fact that we kept moving, the kids um, have kept evolving and changing and their resilience to change is actually pretty good now because we've carted them all over the world. And uh, when we move now back to New Zealand, they think it's just normal just to start a new school and straight in there. So they're pretty confident young kids. Yeah, mate. Awesome. Yeah, well-traveled. Um, and tell me quickly, obviously, reading through your, your write-up, mate, on Wikipedia, there's a cool little excerpt there saying that you formed a formidable uh, background partnership with Jerry Collins and Rodney Suiyalovs. Um, obviously, the wee white fella in there getting over the <laughs> breakdown. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Well, yeah, I, I was the smallest in that loose forward trio uh, by about 20 kilos. And I always <laughs> remember when we first got there, the first session we did my first year at the Hurricanes, we had to par up, we did a sparring, boxing sparring, and you had to um, fight one guy for a minute, and then the bell would ding, the next guy would come up, and we got put in the loose forwards. And I had Jerry Collins, Rodney Suwale, uh, and Chris Marsoe as my minute sparring partners. And I pretty much just just ducked up for the whole three minutes and just <laughs> braced and took an absolute pounding. Um, no, it was a pleasure to to play with those. Th- those guys are legends. And sitting next to Jerry for four years was um, a real experience. He's one of a kind, that's for sure. So um, learn heaps from him about um, toughness and positivity. He was, uh, yeah, he was an inspiring sort of guy on that front. Nice, mate. Yeah, he would have learned to love dark places there, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good no, man. it was a good spot. Um, they were they were good fellas to. Um, to play with they certainly uh love what they did so made turning up every day pretty cool yeah awesome and then paul mate you've also had a, a hell of a journey today so you've spent 10 years abroad um and you went sort of more through the the coaching education route um obviously originally from hokitika uh you went to the, the sports institute down in canterbury there and then before you jetted off mate can you tell us a little bit about your coaching journey and how it's led to your position back with otago uh, with the player development manager role there? 
Yeah, awesome. Thanks, TK. Um, yeah, a little bit different to everyone else in, in the space, especially in the high performance rugby environment, which is which is quite cool. I think I could bring a little bit of a different aspect through those school systems. So starting in small Hokitika, when you're just out the back building huts and doing bombs off ridges, you don't really have too much uh, coaching stuff there. So it was awesome to learn those kind of skills as a kid. Like you just get a bit of freedom and it was a great place to grow up. And I think we learned a lot of resilience and sort of independence from being in Hokitika, which is, which is cool. It's a great little spot. And then got the opportunity to go over to Canterbury um, and pursue a bit of basketball, which was cool. I was never the top performer, but I guess not being that top performer, I had to really grind, um, and that taught me heaps, and, and I've really enjoyed that aspect of being able to bounce to, to different students as well because it's never easy. Um, so I quite enjoyed that, that process and that challenge. Um, but, yeah, from there, once I finished study, I, I flew over to Brisbane and spent four years at Padua College there and just started off as a gym assistant just got a, a break. It was quite hard to crack that sports scene and sports coordinator scene. And then from there, just evolved my coaching and, and just took all the, the learnings from, from SIT and, and the Institute and, and basketball and, and also my life upbringings through that coaching, coaching world. Um, and it was, it was cool. Um, so I spent four years there and then uh, jotted off to uh, the UK for six. And this was, this whole sort of stint was all about, I don't know, just getting out and trying new things and, and growing and learning um, and then yeah so worked at a crew which is a pupil referral unit in the UK um, with a role of about 23 kids and this was for less fortunate kids and kids that have sort of been kicked out of the public system um, so that was a, an absolute eye-opener and uh, just blew my mind and changed the way that I completely think about things and and, and coach um, and then I went to Canada and worked at an ESL school and, and as you can imagine English second language uh, with Mexican Kazakhstan's, um, we've made some real challenges, but it was cool because it was you've got to learn to adapt and and how to sort of put things in a different manner. So, I guess all those sort of different challenges and different uh, experiences has shaped the way that I, I look at things, and, and it's probably a little bit different to a lot of the guys that come through the rugby side of things because I haven't had that rugby experience all the way through. Played the game and coached the game, but not played at that high level and, and high performance. Um, and then ended up back in Australia at St. Peter's Lutheran College where I did the rugby director role um, and, and coached a lot of basketball as well. So, um, yeah, a bit of a travelling gypsy as well as being so. Some cool experiences that sort of help shape everything that we do. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you think that obviously you've, you've both travelled a huge amount? Do you think that's kind of lent itself to what you're trying to do with Revolution Rugby? Are the elements that you take from that travel experience and the, the different things you've seen and done well and not so well? A hundred percent for me, it's perspective because you sort of, as you go out there, you see everyone else's situation and it just changes the way that you look at things because you sometimes are in this sort of tunnel and you think that my way is right. But once you go out and meet new people and meet new things and new cultures, you actually look and go, wow, like there's so many ways to do things and there's so many cool things that people are doing. So it definitely for me shaped the whole way that I look at, at life, but also at, at coaching. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think by traveling so much, you just you're, you're exposed to so many different ways of doing. I remember going in the first couple of places I went to with coming from good teams, thinking they were the right way. But you soon realize pretty quick that every part of the world has their own culture, own way of doing things. And just because it works in one place doesn't make it work everywhere. And it sort of shaped my coaching immensely that there's no right way to do it. There's just the way that you and your team do it. And I think that's 
by traveling so much, you, you start to understand that inherently. I think it's really important. Nice. And then Ben, mate, obviously you had a lot of success over at Leicester, which you just touched on. And I've enjoyed watching your videos uh, on Revolution Rugby, sort of uh, explaining it and talking about your journey and, and some of those journeys, some pretty cool stories there, mate. But obviously you had two Prem titles and a Heineken Cup with Leicester. Then you went to Japan and uh, led NEC, the Green Rockets, to their, their top uh, finish in the top league with a third-place finish. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then, obviously, you've been back with Otago where you held uh, the Renfrewly uh, Shield for a, for a very long period of time. Um, can you tell me what, what were sort of the common denominators of those coaching successes? What were the things that you thought that, whether it was in England, Japan, New Zealand, regardless, these are the things that are really important to being a good coach or doing things well? Yeah, I, I can, TK. So, the, first of all, the, the, those examples that you gave are really good examples and that each of those teams played completely different ways. Like the way Leicester played to the way NEC played to the way Otago plays is really different rugby. So straight off the bat, it's nothing to do with their success isn't about what you're doing technically because they're all different. But the thing that stands out for me about all of those teams is they were really tight teams. Like the actual culture and the environment in those teams was really super strong uh, Leicester particularly had 10 years of, of, of really strong culture and like they had older guys in the team that maintained the culture, those guys that um, just keep instilling good values, good work ethics, good behaviours, uh, making you a better person. They, they were there for 10 years. Some of those legends like Martin Corey, um, Ben Kay, guys like that, Julian White, they just had this aura about them. And then once you join that team, you just – bought into the culture, the environment, and you became part of that. And all of those teams that do well, that I've been a part of, there's been a really amazing feel in the team. Just almost that invisibleness. And it's sometimes really hard to create. Like, how do you create that? And that's what we at Revolution delve into, is how to create that awesome feel. And uh, it's it's hard to actually specifically say what what, what it is, but it's just – it, it's it's what makes you to turn up and be excited. It makes you accountable to each other, not just the coaches, but to each player. And the best teams that I've been involved in, you all have that. You don't let your mates down. You want to do extra because you know it's going to do well for the team. And, and interesting that Otago, that Ranfurly Shield era, no one picked us to hold on to that that shield for as long as we did. And people were sort of saying that we'd lose it straight away. But there was just such a good culture in the team that, we, we played out of our skins defending that and like you could see it the crowd loved it because they could see the energy which with people were playing and we weren't playing any different to the previous years but just that that buy and that accountability that ownership not wanting to let each other down that that got us another 10 15 percent every game i guess you've touched on a good thing there with you know you're sort of always developing those experienced players and then they're also doing a lot of that coaching for you have you sort of did you find that in those teams you were sort of fostering that or, or that was already there with Leicester you're trying to do that with Otago is that sort of a big part of it yeah so Leicester was already there was ingrained by the time I got there there, there was eight years of just legendary iconic English players that were instilling great behaviors and everyone that came through at other teams, we've had to work on that and actually help those older senior players actually grow their own leadership and how they actually had an influence on the team. Because those senior guys, or girls and guys in teams, they actually have so much so much value. And if you don't 
you know, allow that to be expressed, you miss that massive opportunity to grow your team that way. And once you can get your senior players and your leaders leading, then it halves the job of a coach and it, it makes the impact so much more. It's like that compounding interest. If it's coming from players, the, the messaging, the um, accountability, the ownership is so much higher. Nice. And then Revolution Rugby, I guess, is sort of being everything you've got there in the coaching playing world, paired with Paul, everything you've got in the player management role there at Otago. And mate, can you sort of talk about some of the stuff that you do day to day, looking at sort of that holistic player development, everything that goes into that from sort of planning their journey um, and everything that, yeah, that you do, mate? Yeah, definitely. So... I guess the biggest thing that we've found in this space is for the players to have a bit of self-awareness and discover their why, um, because it's so easy to go through life and your rugby career just bouncing from one thing to the other and sort of not really looking at the processes um, and just being on outcomes. Am I going to get that contract? Am I going to be selected? So it's about discovering their why so they can go through the process. And that's been so valuable, especially at this time with the unknown of COVID, um, which is, it's been awesome. So to build that trust, um, with them and build a relationship with them to help them discover their why. I think that's been that's been really cool. Um, and then we sort of build that with the what and the how, um, and that's super important because it's great to have a why statement. It's great to figure out and go a little bit deeper of why you're doing things. It's not just for family. It could be for other family members or it could be a bit of a purpose to do with their home. So a lot of people from the islands and how they're supporting their home. Um, but how are they going to do things? And that sh- sort of shapes our PDP, like our player development plan. And it just breaks it down and, and makes it so much more achievable and attainable. Um, and that's been that's been really good. And we've changed our PDP so many times now in the last sort of six months to shape it how players will learn rather than being told. Because um, we could have filled out spreadsheets and, yes, I'm going to do this, 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 this. But we've actually left it blank and said, what does your in-rugby goals look like? What does your outside of rugby look like? And what does your growth look like? And the growth has been by far we are we get the most information um, and it's been it's been awesome. We've got guys that are really dipping into sort of mindfulness and meditation just to be able to take them out but then bring them back in um, and that's been quite cool. Um, and then I guess a part of those player development plans is sitting down and making sure that, yes, their, their world's good, but then also now that they're rugby, that's part of their goal, is sort of broken down and we look at how we can put micro skills into gym programs, how micro skills can go before trainings and it makes it achievable. That old simple smart acronym um, is is so helpful in these situations because it just brings it all back to the easiness, the easiness of it. And I think that's super important. Overcomplicate things massively. And I, I guess for a union like Otago, that and obviously Ben, you can attest to this as well. It's quite a small union in the grand scheme of things. The population that you draw from is nowhere near as big as your Wellingtons, your Aucklands. Is it? It's, it's got to be vital, right? That you do those little things really well and I guess it's something Otago's traditionally done quite well is foster culture and sort of you know they've got that sort of grit work hard you know nearly farmer type mentality that Otago's built upon like is that sort of a massive part of Otago's success and something that you guys try to make sure that you do really well in that sort of culture piece? I think so we've got to make it like a family and a community um, and that's what Otago does really well because we get play, we get 35,000 students come down every year and 90% of the academy is students. So we've got to make sure that we do bring them in and have that trust and have that family values massively. And that's a big part of our culture. Um, yeah, we do have that, that ruggedness as well. We've got farmers that come in and we get all walks of 
life and all different people coming from everywhere, which is super important to us to go forward because you're right, we're not a big union, but to have that family environment, that buy-in, that, that culture, that feel, I think that drives a lot of what we do and, and also our decision-making around that. Good stuff. Benny, your thoughts on that, mate? Yeah, well, exactly what uh, Paul said. The only other aspect is like uh, the, the original settlers that came down to Dunedin were pretty pretty tough sorts. The conditions down here uh, aren't always pleasant, as you know, TK. They're, they can be pretty miserable. And when you came down here as the early gold settlers and the early settlers, you had to do things pretty tough. And, and that's a sort of history which you know, we use a lot to, to theme our um, values around, that, uh, that grit, that work ethic. That's what the original settlers had. And so we try and instill that in our agro teams as well. Well, that's, that's just got to be part and parcel with, you know, who we are as a, as a union. And actually, you know, and I look, I look at the, the Free Jacks and some of the history uh, up your, uh, across your way is just phenomenal in that area. And there's so much history to draw upon for theming. It's such an exciting, exciting thing, really. Yeah, and it was quite a cool thing for us to be like, you know, and we showed the Southern Man and some of those sort of examples as well um, because, you know, we had an opportunity to sort of define what we stood for and obviously that's sort of um, built into us by by the name Free From The Union Jack, but, you know, you hear guys like Alex Magleby say farming on granite, you know, the amount of times I hear him say that, you know. <laughs> that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Farm on granite and, and uh, you know, negative sort of, 30 degrees Celsius, Celsius at times, you wonder how the hell did they live up there uh, through winter um, yeah. to survive there. But no, that's definitely sort of part of our journey as an infant uh, sports organisation is defining what, what it is actually that we stand for and then how do we uh, sort of replicate that through our daily behaviours, which obviously you guys are very good at. Um, yeah, I think that's spot on, uh, TK. I think uh, the earlier that teams can do that sort of stuff to actually draw upon their history as a region, uh, the stronger they get, quicker. For sure. That top man. Um, and then obviously Revolution Rugby. So how did that come about? Was it sort of, obviously you guys were working together at Otago Rugby there. Was it like a space you identified, hey, this hasn't been done very well. It's sort of something that we could tap into and sort of be a bit of a leader in or tell us about sort of that journey. How did that come to fruition? Yeah, well, I'll start off, Paige, and you can you can follow on. But um, me, me and Paul started at the same time, and we came into an environment where we're just uh, we said, right, what are we going to do, big picture, to help grow this this team? And and we, the two of us, sort of covered the spectrum from the youngest player coming in to the oldest player. We could sort of touch base with everyone, so we just started thinking about bigger holistic stuff and how to grow people in our environments from the first person that comes in the door at academy level through to the most senior player playing. And so we just, day to day, would just constantly chew the fat on how do we make these people better people, these players better people. And we experimented, we played around with all sorts of different ideas and concepts. Um, some went amazing, some were, went terrible, <laughs> but we learned from all of them and we, we just gave stuff a crack and we, 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 gave it a chance and we talked about discussed it talked about the reasons why and we pulled trigger and we did it and from that we developed so much learning uh and, and after a couple of years we were like we saw the success of some of the really good stuff and learned from the failures and we just thought this is bigger than just the skills and drills like if this and we wanted to to, to continue this we want this to be part of the way you coach rugby because we we saw its benefit and we also saw that 
most clubs, organisation, coaches get hung up on the skills and drills aspects of rugby. And whilst that's important, that's a big chunk of rugby, developing your culture and your leadership is absolutely huge. And because of our travels around the world since, you can just see the, the teams that are successful are the ones that nail your culture and your environment. And some of the stuff that we were putting in uh, and, and experimenting with is, is really great stuff for, for everybody, especially coaches that haven't had a lot of experience in developing culture and leadership. Some of the stuff we discovered uh, and experimented with is, is real gold, and we just wanted to, to help people grow in that aspect of their rugby. Good stuff. Paul, do you want to touch on that too, mate? Yeah, I think it's um, exactly what Ben said, but also a lot of passion towards what we were trying to do and what we we're trying to achieve because we saw the results that we were getting out of individuals and that, at the end of the day, that's what we're here to do is make better people or help people discover what they're doing and help them achieve their goals. And the success that we had out of it drove a bit more passion and then we researched and read and did a whole heap of stuff with it. And it just it opened our eyes to how how much of a game changer it actually is. Um, and so, yeah, I think a lot of it was driven by passion. Um, and it's it still is a massive passion. I still am constantly looking up different things and reading different books and uh, that whole growth mindset around what we try and do and what we instill in the players is massive. So I think sometimes you've got to walk the walk as well. Um, and, yeah, and I think that's a big driver for us. Uh, and, Paul, you were just talking about, you know, the daily stock, which I know that, Ben, that was your theme. Ben and Paul, that was your kind of your theme for, was that the 28 Otago season, uh, 2018 Otago season? That, that was your theme. Do you want to touch on maybe that book, Ben, how you came across that book and how it lent itself to sort of, I guess, your daily environment with Otago for that season? Yeah, well, it's so The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday is, is a wonderful book. Me and my wife uh, read a lot of Stoic books anyway. And so that book is a lovely, easy-to-read book. It's just one page per day of the year. So each day you can open the page, and it's just one page, really well-written, um, a quote from one of the legends, Seneca, Epictetus, or Marcus Aurelius, and then a modern-day translation. And so we decided that there was such good stuff, and it helped us grow personally so much that we wanted to bring that to the rugby environment, use that rugby environment as opportunity to grow people. And so we made all the players buy the book. I bought 50 copies and then everyone had to pay 20 bucks and get your book. You had to actually physically buy in. And so we started every day with the reading from that uh, philosophy book. A player had to get up, they had to read it and then explain what that meant to them. And so For us, that was quite an unusual thing for a rugby team to do, starting the day with five minutes of philosophy. And, that's, uh, and it, just, it, was, it was amazing, actually. Like, we got good speakers to get up and talk early, so they set up a good benchmark. And then some of the successes of the year was players were writing notes the night before and then coming up and speaking into a page of notes. And the beautiful thing for us was, at, at the very least, at the end of, this, end of the year, players would be able, have said, that they've read a book in that year. And for a lot of players, that's, they, they, they wouldn't have read a book in a year. So we ticked that off. The Yes, success, they've read a book. But some of the stuff they got from it was, was great. And when you've got your mates up the front reading philosophy and then telling their stories about what it means to them, it's really powerful. And we just created this culture where it was acceptable and cool to do that. It wasn't laughed at. It wasn't a joke. It was everyone bought in. They physically bought in. And then they bought in 
emotionally. And, and it, was, it was a cool concept. And the other aspect, no one was late to those eight o'clock meetings in the morning because everyone wanted to hear some, their mate read. Nice. And uh, we, we did make it, um, not everyone did read. There's a couple of guys in the team that um, couldn't read well and, and they were reluctant to do it. But we had real good successes. Like we had one Tongan man come into me quietly and said, oh, look, I'd really like to read it, but I, I can't read English. Is it okay if I read in Tongan? And he spent um, a week, him and his girlfriend translated the page he wanted to read, and then he read it in Tongan and then explained in English what it meant. And he got a, a, a rousing ovation from the team just for the effort that went into that. And that was just something which galvanized the team together. Like everyone came together for that reading every morning, regardless of your upbringing, your religion, your social status, whatever. Everyone just for that five minutes was together as one. And that's, that's what theming does. And if you create something which is cool and connect, connects a team, it's massively powerful. Nice. Uh, mate, I'm, I'm very excited now because obviously we've got our uh, projects um, have aligned with, I guess, Revolution Rugby and you guys are going to be leading a Foundations of Coaching certification and workshop. Um, and I've been sitting down and, and watching with James Willocks, uh, one of our assistant coaches. He's, he played for uh, Alambra Union um, in his heyday. Uh, we've been watching the videos together and we've just been loving it. They're so enthralling. Um, obviously, it's a three-week course. Uh, there are three seven seminars sort of recapping the weekly topics and content on a Sunday, um, seven to ten videos through the week touching on three uh, topics, which is sort of leadership, culture, and reflective coaching practices. And, mate, it's just been brilliant to sort of hear about your journey Um Obviously, you know, with your experiences in Japan and Canada, coaching women's rugby, coaching in a country where you couldn't speak the same language um, and sort of all the things you've learned and how they can sort of lend themselves to anyone's coaching practices. I think it's sort of pretty revolutionary. Um, hence, I guess, you know, the name of, of the brand there. But can you touch on, I guess, both of you, uh, what coaches can expect to take from, uh, you know, the course that's upcoming? Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. TK. That, that's ex- so. What the course is is we we really wanted to make it not just your run of the mill course. Um, if we, when it's definitely not down the uh, skills and, and drills side of things. It's about leadership, culture, and process. And I, and I tell a lot of the videos through personal experience, a lot of storytelling, um, because it it makes things more relatable and more real. Um, they're coming through firsthand experience, and not just the good stuff. A lot of it's the, the shockers I've had, the mistakes I've made and the reflection I've done on that. And it's across all spectrums, like you said. So there's, there's women's rugby, there's lower level rugby, there's high end international rugby. It, it sort of, if there's something for everyone in there, it really touches on all elements around culture and leadership. And it's, it's, it's storytelling, which is really important. We've actually aligned also, because I know a lot of coaches love the technical um, drills and skills aspect. So we've actually aligned with, um, the rugby site. I used to run that rugby site, which is the world's premier drills and skills site. So that's part of the course as well. You get access to that. So anyone that wants that extra detail, there's uh, five, 600 videos there from the world's best coaches for the technical skills. But for us, it's about how you grow your culture. How do you do it? Like culture is such a buzzword, but what are the practical steps you can do to actually grow a culture? If you've got no cult culture, what's X, Y, and Z you can do to actually start this machine rolling, the snowball of good culture rolling? 
how do you get the environment kicking ass? Like, how do you get it so people are turning up, switching on, that they're fizzed up, ready to be there, that they're receptive to learning? Like, what are the actual things you can do? And what works, what doesn't, and why? And that's what we dive into around Revolution Rugby. So that's the big, that's why we call it revolution, because it's, it's changing our focus point for coaching, away from just the skills and drills to leadership and culture, which will in turn grow better skills, skills and drills in the long term. Good stuff. You know, I know there are some very uh, tangible examples in there, like, uh, you know, actual communications with your leadership group and, and why you spoke to them that way and that, that occasion and how you, uh, how that preempted the, the team meeting on that occasion. Some really good real life examples of, mate, you're up on uh, the uh, Haas Pass. Was it Haas Pass? What was the, uh, some, some of the backgrounds you got there are outstanding. You've got a, a, oh, really, yeah. a vintage <laughs> fireplace behind you. Yeah, so, mate, that's right. We're on the Crown Range that connects Wanaka to Queenstown, New Zealand, which is a beautiful Crown Range. So we did a, we did the intros and outros up there just because we wanted to uh, do the an epic start. We're on this epic mountain range starting our, our epic journey. And so I, I thought nothing better of a place. So it was freezing cold. I was standing up there in a T-shirt uh, filming the intros and outros. It was, it, it was cool. So the course TK roles that... We've got these videos, so coaches can watch the videos. They're about five to seven minutes each, and we've got about seven to ten per week. So they can watch it in their own time. And then I'll talk about, for about 40, 45 minutes to an hour, we'll, we'll present around those videos. And then at the end of each session, we'll have a ability to talk about things that happen in the video. But the videos all relate to what's going to be spoken about at the end of that week. So it's a nice flow on. And then I'll talk um, about about experiences and then we'll open up the forum so that coaches, everyone will have questions about some of the things they saw or heard and we'll dive into the specifics at the end of at the end of that chat. Good stuff. And I mean, I guess, Paul, this is perfect. You know, I mean, it's exactly what you do on a day-to-day basis. Um, is that more or less correct that, you know, this is what you're doing with your academy athletes, sort of guiding them and, and doing that day-to-day? Yeah, I, I think, I guess, sitting next to to Ben for the last couple of years and listening to his stories and going, oh, that's absolute gold um, and saying, yeah, geez, these would be awesome to share with people. And then some of the stories like, woohoo, I don't know if you can share that one. <laughs> um, and that's what we want, not just our coaches, but our athletes to do. Um, and that's where you get all your, your gold because you've got to look inside and go, okay, well, how am I doing this and why am I doing this? And it shapes you, shapes you. Um, and, I think where we're taking Revolution Rugby is exactly that. And it's so enjoyable when you get into that process and it just guides everything. It's like your compass for your decision-making. Um, and, and it's exciting because once you get into it, it's sort of, you get a roll on. Um, and I think through our learnings and through everyone's learnings when they go through this this course is to go, well, that was a great lesson and they can pull bits from it. And just the same with the athletes. They can go, oh, well, I've learned from this. How can I be better next time? And that's what it's all about, being the best version of yourself. And that's what's exciting. So, yeah, there's heaps of transferables between athletes and coaches. And uh, I've, I've used a lot of the content to, to help with the athletes, for sure. Good stuff. Well, no, I look forward to uh, seeing all our New England coaches that have signed up and, and seeing kind of their takeaways from the journey. Um, James and I were talking about, you know, there's something for everyone. Like it might be one, one story, but you, there might be 10 different takeaways between 10 different people. So... Um, you know, that's where I really see the value in it. 
forces. Cool. Um, the last uh, last bit is we've just got a quick fire section to wrap us up. Uh, ben, I know you've got to drop the kids off at school, mate. They're probably starving for brekkie over there. But um, the first one, the first question is uh, your favourite free jack and why? And I open that up to coaching staff as well. Obviously, there's some uh, some common personnel there that, that you guys are familiar with. But uh, your favourite free jack, if you're familiar with any. I know that, Ben, you had a brief stint with us. Um, so you may have a bit of a bit of inside knowledge there. And, and why? Um, I'll start. PG. Uh, my my player-wise, I had a lot to do with Josh Larson uh, when I was here in Otago. He was here briefly. I coached him for Otago B a long time ago. And just that guy's work ethic and, and uh, team guyness was is awesome. He's a great team player and just one of those glue guys for a team. And I just I always enjoyed his attitude, so he, he's awesome. Um, the other coach I, I'm super excited for the Free Jacks is Ryan Martin, head coach coming in. I think he'll be an, an outstanding asset. Know him well, and he'll do a marvellous job. Good stuff. I, I know Larson got a fair bit of stick uh, from being called uh, Sass's son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is, is that correct? Yes, well, yeah, it's probably true. Some similarities there, yeah. Uh, no, good stuff. I'm sure he'll be, he'll be ecstatic over the moon to hear that, Ben. And then, Paige, do you have uh, a favourite Frederick, mate? I do, and it's only through social media that I've seen this player come through, and and it's I think it's more of his attributes is the bald eagle. <laughs> that is okay. one hell of a hairdo and moustache, and I am in awe of it. It's it's such a great setup. Yeah, he's a handy little uh, loose head prop as Cole Sakura, um, and yeah, obviously he's become somewhat of a phenomena. Uh, around sort of New England and, and USA rugby. So hopefully uh, he's got a big career ahead of him and hopefully we can keep selling his T-shirts as well, uh, the Eagle. Oh, he's got to keep that style. That's unreal. <laughs> yeah. We actually we tied it in with mullets and moustaches for mental health uh, this month. So it's been pretty cool to see um, him generating sort of all that good publicity. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, really cool. good. And then the final one is just a stadium song for every everyone who comes on the show here. Uh, we get them to pick a stadium song for uh, Union Point Stadium in Weymouth uh, for next season that you'd you'd like to hear uh, playing around the stadium when you're watching from afar. So Ben and, and Paige, if you've got a song for us. Yeah, I've got one because it ties in. I wrote it down and I couldn't not have it for the Bald Eagle as he runs out. And I'd love Sandstorm by Darude. Yes. <laughs> Be great. That mullet <laughs> and the moustache, great. Yeah, I love that. No, that's yeah, very good. Um, I, I love a song with with a bit of a Boston feel by the Dropkick Murphys called "Shipping Off to Boston." Uh, it's I just think it's a really got a really amping start. It's semi punk, but it's got an awesome beat, and I think players running out to that would get you pumped up. Shipping off to Boston. Absolutely. Yeah. Two great songs um, that we add to the playlist. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for jumping on and, and talking a little bit about what you're doing with Revolution Rugby and obviously your own professional journeys. Um, it's been a pleasure, it always is, and it's uh, great to work with you. So thank you very much for making the time. Thank you, TK. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Sweet. TK. Awesome to be here. Cheers, Benny. Cheers, Paige. Thank you. It's still going, flipped it field. It's champagne rugby from the Free Jacks. Let's ride.